0: What's up everyone welcome to the pod my name is Paige and I'm Emily and I'm a flight attendant wondering if I should call air traffic control over these two teenagers having a controversial conversation on the airplane and I'm the businessman sitting next to them and I have a report
1: due in two hours so I'm just going to put my headphones back on
0: and you're listening to Tuesday's Are for Twilight what's new in your life What's new in my life? I'm taking more hours at the funeral home. So that's really exciting. So, more money and obviously more experience in the field that I want to be in. Um, and when the listeners hear this, I will be knees deep in some Pokemon Diamond and Pearl on my Switch. They are releasing a remake of it in like three, well, right now, recording. They're releasing a remake in like three days. And basically this game, it was the first Pokemon game to come out on DS. And it is a beloved game of the series. Like some games get some heat. Some games get some hate. Pokemon Diamond and Pearl is amazing. It is so good. Excellent 10 out of 10 game. And fans have been screaming, give us a remake, give us a remake. Because to buy a copy of it on DS is like $200 right now. And some people don't even have their DSs anymore, so it's not even an option. So they finally are making a remake, and it is very exciting. And so when the listeners hear this, that's all I'm gonna, going to have been doing. That's awesome. I'm so excited for you. I I'm really excited. I still have my copy of Pearl, so it's not, like, a huge thing for me. But I'm just so excited for the community, because people have been asking for this for, like, like probably like six years and it's finally happening. And the switch is such a great, I love the switch. So it's just going to be really fun.
1: Hell yeah. When are they doing pancake area?
0: I'm just kidding. That's next on the Nintendo roster.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I'm actually in a similar boat, um, but in a much more basic white girl kind of way, um, because in between the last episode and this episode, My Queen, Taylor Swift, re-released what I believe is her best album, although Lover is a close second for me, Um, but no one likes Lover, so haters, let me know in the comments. Anyways, Red, she re-released Red. She fucking went all in. She made two music videos. One of them was actually a short film. That starred literally the person I talk about incessantly on this podcast, Dylan O'Brien. And also Sadie Sink, who is in Stranger Things, and I like that show, and she did an excellent job. And the Swifties are eating, y'all. We are eating. Also, I'm unwell. (laughs) We brought back a lot of things. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm fine, but also, I'm not
0: fine. I shared this this TikTok with Emily, but it had a tweet that had me screaming. And it said something to the extent of Dylan O'Brien could do Brokeback Mountain, but Jake Gyllenhaal could never even touch Teen Wolf. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh my
1: God, it's so true. Anyways, it's it's fuck Jake Gyllenhaal in this podcast, in case anyone was curious on where we stand on the matter.
0: I, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't really know. I, I've i never been a Taylor Swift fan, so I just don't really know much about the drama surrounding it. All I know is that Jake Gyllenhaal is, is being pissed on right now.
1: <laughs> uh, without getting too deep into it, when they dated, they were 10 years apart, so um. there was an obvious power imbalance. He literally took her scarf and won't give it back. And also, they just, it was just very, I mean, she'll never come out and say, like, I was gaslighted, but, like, based on the short film, she literally dressed Dylan O'Brien to look like Jake Gyllenhaal, um, because she was the director of the short film. But anyway, um, it was just, like, very gaslighty. He literally didn't show up to her 21st birthday party while they were dating. Yikes. Yikes. And I, that's, sorry, once again, I'm going to stop talking about it in, like, just a second, but that's what I really liked about the short film, because, like, it low-key made me kind of uncomfortable watching Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink, like, make out, because I was like, oh, my God, they're, like, so far apart in age, and I'm like,
0: oh, yeah, that's probably the point. How, is Dylan O'Brien 31?
1: He's 29, and
0: Sadie Sink is 19. Oh interesting that is I mean it's a powerful statement right there I mean it was it did exactly what it was supposed to do
1: yep anyways I am once again asking any of our listeners
0: who are Swifties
1: hit me up I know that Gem is so Gem let's talk about it um orders of business hope y'all had fun at the Netflix party that Paige and I have not experienced yet but we will
0: I had a really fun time. My favorite part was later insert me recording what my favorite part is. It really made me lol. <laughs> it's
1: so obviously dubbed in, god.
0: Um yeah, well that's in a couple of days for Paige and I.
1: When y'all are hearing this, it'll be the 23rd of November. We are taking that week off, so you will not have a new episode to listen to on November 30th. This is our last November episode that you are hearing um we've been going for like I think eight or nine weeks straight and it is American Thanksgiving so we gonna take a little breaky break I'm gonna get a real day off from work other than a weekend the problem is when I went on my trip it was lit as fuck but then when I came back I literally had negative 30 pto hours so I've just been working like a little mouse you know
0: I did the exact same thing when I took the week off for the wedding I was in I used up all of my vacation time and all of my sick time. Usually I save it all up and then use it at the end of the year slash Christmas time. But I couldn't, I had to use it all up for this. So I'm like, I guess I'll be working this Christmas Eve. That's awful. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, I I signed up for it. Apparently tips are hot and spicy during December um a lot of people get to go home early and by this time i'll be or by that time i'll be working my changed hours at the funeral home so it'll be not too much at chipotle okay
1: that's good how does it make you feel that i had chipotle twice in two days
0: it feels fine I, i i'm not upset about it i know as someone who used to eat it five times a week sometimes more i would take lunch and dinner home um I can understand how it can be addicting.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, Also, just a little aside, Malcolm is sharpening his claws in the background. I'm recording in my kitchen dining room area, so the cats are on their dumb shit. All right. This week, we read chapters 19 and 20 of New Moon, Race, and what was the other one called? Volterra. What did you think of these two chapters?
0: I thought I thought the change of setting was very fun. I loved being in a new country. I loved meeting new characters. Not, not that this was a fun situation. It was just exciting to get out of Forks since pretty much, I would say 95% of what we've read in all three books has been in Forks. Um, so getting something completely different was really great. Um, some main things that came to mind immediately upon reading. One, my Skyrim homies will attest to this. Volterra, the underground part, is giving me major Thieves Guild vibes. It's literally an entire community that lives under the city in a sewer system. So, And they actually run pretty much the city and the economy. So, you know, it is what it is. So it's giving me Thieves Guild vibes. So I love that. Second of all really LOLing about the fact that Stephanie Myers made up an entirely fake holiday to just put in her story. I I did a huge deep dive research bit onto quote-unquote St. Marcus Day and found out the truth behind it, so that got me reeling. And three, the overall arching question that le- I was left with. Was Edward shirtless the entire time that The last bit happen because he's introduced as being not having his shirt on. The white shirt is on the ground, but you never read that he puts it back on. He they just have this altercation and he goes with the vampires into Volterra or like underground. Did he ever put the shirt back on? Did you picture him being shirtless? Because I pictured him shirtless the entire time. I
1: believe in the book, he's shirtless. They never really specify, or maybe they do in an in, in upcoming chapter, and I don't remember. In the movie, I don't really ever understand this, because if I recall, he didn't rip his shirt. He just took it off when he was going to go out into the sun. But then they give him this weird cloak, like a big red cloak. Kind of looks like Santa Claus. And I'm like, why can't he just put his shirt back on? I don't know, it was very weird.
0: I can say, though, white shirts... Um, I've gotten sunburned through a white t-shirt before so maybe a white shirt isn't the best option for stopping UV rays.
1: Maybe. Um, Also that's the difference between you and me because I read about St. Marcus Day and I was
0: like
1: that's none of my business and I kept moving.
0: (laughs) It's not even called St. Marcus Day that's the thing it's not even it's not real at all it's it's barely real St. Marcus Day is not real St. Mark Day is.
1: And that's our Christian privilege, I guess. I don't know.
0: Vampire privilege, sweetie, get it right.
1: Truly. Should we do it?
0: Let's frickin' do it.
1: So this chapter begins, there's a little bit of a time jump. I'm glad we didn't have to go through the fucking airport. I'm sick of airports after midnight sun and twilight. I'm like, I don't want to deal with that. So it jumps time to when Alice and Bella are already on their flight. It's evident that they're flying to New York and then to Italy. They don't really say where in Italy, but, I don't know, Rome,
0: I guess. I think they fly to France. I feel like I remember them mentioning landing somewhere in France, and then they were going to take a car and drive to Italy. Are you sure you're just not thinking of Paris and how you thought they were going to be in France? I swear to God. Okay, wait. I, I'm, I'll find it. I, I swear they said something about landing in France, because... I feel I feel maybe I'm gaslighting myself. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I believe you, I'm just making fun of you.
0: <laughs> maybe it is also that the flight attendant speaks in French first oh. Weird. not in Italian. did I sleep when I read this? I don't remember anything. okay well you you keep chatting and i'll I'll see if i can I'll see if I can find anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to myself over here. So, as they're flying, Alice is trying to keep an eye on Edward's decisions and what he's thinking about doing, but he keeps changing his mind, and um, she gets on the phone with Jasper, which is very funny because it's like, I didn't know phones could work in this guy, but okay. Um,
0: did you know that? I have been on flights before that have had phones, but as a child, I didn't have anyone to call.
1: Fair. Um, basically she asks Jasper to tell Emma and Rosalie to not come after them and asks Jasper to not come after them himself. And Alice promises Jasper that she'll get out one way or another. And then as soon as she hangs up, she says that she was lying to him. She tells Bella that she was lying because she can't guarantee that she'll be able to make it out. And, um, she was trying to basically to say, and and I wanted to say that you were right, because
0: potential spam, my boyfriend. But he was dating me. Wow. The two-timer.
1: The asshole. Where was I? Oh. So Jasper's plan was to bring Emmett and Rosalie, and so they would all try and stop Edward from doing whatever it is he's going to be doing themselves. But Alice makes a good point, because... She says, like, if he sees you coming, and really, if he hears you coming, because he can read minds and he'll, like, realize that they're there, Um, he'll just act that much faster. And so, yeah, you were right, Paige, because I was asking you last week, like, kind of like, why do you think Bella has to go? And Alice basically explains, like, he has to see you, like, if he sees me, it'll actually be bad. Um, Also, I skipped over this, but <laughs> the very first page of the chapter, page 424. Bella's all nervous on the flight or whatever, and she's bouncing around, and Alice says, it's faster than running. And I just want to know,
0: were you planning on swimming like a turtle across the Atlantic Ocean with Bella on your back? That was my first thought, too, but then I was like, they have a connecting flight, so they were probably going to run to Italy, or no, not to Italy, I'm so sorry, run to New York and then fly to Italy.
1: They didn't specify, so now I am picturing Alice as a turtle.
0: (laughs) I, I'm i kind of picturing, you, are you familiar with The Incredibles? Vaguely. There is a scene where the mother and the two children get into a plane crash and they land in the middle of the ocean and the mom forms her uh, flexible body into the shape of a boat, but she still has like her head and it, her head is normal, but then her body is boat shaped. And then you see the daughter like sitting with her knees crouched up like this on her on the boat and that's kind of what I was thinking in my head I know that that's not this situation but it's what I was thinking
1: it could be I haven't seen that so I'm picturing a very weird scenario in my brain (laughs)
0: I'll send you some pics when we're done
1: please don't (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding um okay
0: how did you feel about
1: so Alice is kind of like sort of like a little bit guilty about this whole thing because she says, you know, basically I'm protecting Jasper potentially at like the risk of me, yours, and Edward's life. She says because if they're there and the Volturi kill Edward, they'll fight them, meaning Rosalie, Emmett, and Jasper would fight the Volturi. If there were any chance that we could win, if there were a way that the four of us could save my brother by fighting for him, maybe it would be different. But we can't, and Bella, I can't lose Jasper like that. What did you think about that?
0: I I thought it was kind of... I don't know if cool is the right word, but I was impressed that Alice was very straightforward about that. That she wasn't trying to be deceitful in the fact that she was putting Jasper before everyone else's safety, that she just told Bella, like, well, that's kind of what's happening right now, and I I feel bad about it. I think that Bella kind of knew what she was not necessarily signing up for, but Alice explicitly told her that you're probably going to die if you go. Like, this is not safe for you. You should not go. And Bella still demanded Alice take her. And I also feel like if, if Bella knew that If the other siblings were to come, they would probably die too. I think Bella would be like, absolutely not. They're going to stay home. You need Jasper. You guys, like, they should live, not me. Like, Bella would be fully willing to sacrifice herself for the Cullens. I know that 100%. She's literally doing it right now. And she's fine with it. So, like, I didn't think it was, like, too crazy. Like, everything kind of made sense to me. And Alice was pretty honest about what was going on. So, I thought that that was it was okay
1: yeah no i agree i mean i don't necessarily know if i would feel the same way but it's clear that bella would she she like is signed up for that she's all in
0: yeah i we're we haven't gotten there yet but when Alice's and her talk about alice changing her sister is acting a fool i'm i'm just so excited to talk about that <laughs>
1: Yeah, I have a note on that, too. Okay. Um, So then Bella asks Alice for, like, some more details about the Volturi. This is when Alice thinks the businessman might be listening to them. So she basically whispers in Bella's ear and telling her all about them. So this is, like, a big information dump for you, Paige. Um, She explains how it's odd for vampires to live in... um, like with each other in groups and um, the Volturi have because they're like ancient. What does she say there? She says that they are well over 3000 years old and that two of the three main ones are gifted. She doesn't say what they're gifted with, but they are gifted like her and Edward and Jasper. And then um, she explains that there's five that are the quote unquote family. So two wives, and then the three main guys, and then they have a guard. And so that guard is selected because of their abilities, physical or otherwise. And then kind of their role in the vampire community is that they just enforce the one rule, which is that you must keep the secret of the existence of vampires. Like you can't be going around telling humans about it. And, yeah, what did you think about all this background on the Volturi? Any
0: additional thoughts on them? I I just was really racking my brain as to what other supernatural abilities could exist. I, I'm i so excited, because I, I, a, a I feel pretty confident that we're going to find out about every single one of these characters. I mean, we find even a little bit out about Marcus as soon as... Uh, or in the next chapter so I feel like at some point we're going to learn about them and their powers and I'm very excited for that
1: yeah I will say one of the things that Stephanie does well is like kind of fleshing that whole area out not just in this book but in other books too so yeah I'm excited to see what you think about it
0: yeah one of the huge pulls for me in this series right now like I'm not I mean I probably would have been more invested in the emotional side of things when I if I read this at a younger age but my favorite part right now is the like lore of it and the supernaturalism of it all so since we're getting more of that and really fleshing that area out it's like I'm getting I'm gonna say it you better prepare yourself titillated
1: Uh, I I didn't know where you're going and so I didn't have a chance to prepare myself (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's funny okay so then alice explains that edward is basically going to try to like expose him, himself as a vampire in their own city which is like the safest city in the world or whatever then i was gonna ask you I, it's funny because i wrote down like ask page what she how she thinks they eat and then like on the next page it's like alice was like they bring in their food from the outside from quite far away sometimes which is fucking terrible
0: I, um, not, not to take things back to Skyrim, but in Skyrim, they have vampires, a part of, there's like a downloadable content with a huge vampire backstory. And when you, you can either join the vampires or join the vampire hunters. So I've only done it one time and I joined the vampire hunters. So you basically break into covens and take out the vampire leaders. And One of the things that apparently Skyrim got right is that in every basically like done like the dungeon final room with the the big boss in it, there's always like a big long feast table with plates with no food on it. And then there's like four cages with humans in it. And it's pretty clear what's going on there. So I guess Stephanie got it right.
1: Damn, that's disturbing.
0: Yep. Thank you, Bethesda. <laughs> um,
1: You know, one thing that it like that kind of piques my interest, and I'm not going to do the research because I don't have any time, but I feel like this whole aesthetic of like old vampires in the sewers is like a thing in not just this series, but like in pop cu- culture at large. And I'm like, wonder why that is. It was like a thing in the early church. The- Catholic church, right? To, like, believe in them. Wasn't that a thing? Or am I making that up? Like, they thought they were real in the medieval days.
0: Maybe. I I feel like most of what I know about vampires are from, like, Scooby-Doo and, like like, parts of pop culture. Like, I don't think I've done any actual or read anything, like, of merit i guess on the topic so i don't really know yeah i guess i don't really
1: either i mean there's dracula who lives in like transylvania which is is that by russia i think it's
0: i i think it is eastern european
1: yeah i kind of got an eastern european vibe so that's not really he doesn't like really do the sewer thing he's like in graveyards and shit and like a big tall castle i don't know what i'm saying (laughs)
0: I I honestly don't know and I also don't know. I mean there is the the whole thing about crucifixes and like holy water keeping vampires away. So there has to be some kind of link to Christianity and maybe maybe there's also a link to like not dying like the undead kind of aspect of it which could be repulsive by Christian standards. But again i don't really know where vampirism ties into organized religion or history i guess
1: yeah me neither that's why i brought it up <laughs> if anyone wants to write us a paper on it we will read it in six months
0: <laughs> perfect
1: okay so Bella goes to sleep for a while on this flight um alice I mean, people probably think she's asleep, but she basically just, like, goes into her visions and doesn't come out. She closes her eyes and it's just sitting there the whole time. They have to run for their connecting flight to wherever it is that they're flying. <laughs> you haven't figured that out yet, I don't think. Um, and then
0: oh, I did sorry. figure it out. I did find it. Okay, where is it? Um, so, kind of towards the top on page 439... It reads, the pilot came on over the intercom announcing, first in French and then in English, our imminent landing. The seatbelt lights dinged and flashed. How far is it from Florence to Volterra? So, in my mind, they were landing in Florence. Now, saying Florence out loud, I know is in Italy, but I think my brain read Florence and was like France. That's the same word. There's an a F, a C, and an E. And well- an R. Well, it's weird that you would say it in French and
1: not Italian, so I get your confusion.
0: Yeah, I think my brain saw French and then Florence and just kind of, like, mixed the words up, I guess.
1: I don't blame you a bit. I wasn't even, I don't even remember this, so <laughs> you're better than me. Um, Let's see. Okay. While Bella is sleeping on the second flight to Florence, evidently, Alice ends up waking her up. And she's super excited because the Volturi have decided to tell Edward that they're not going to kill him right off the bat because he goes to them originally and just is like, can you kill me? And then they're interested in his mind reading skills, so they're going to tell him no. So then um, Alice goes back into her visions to try to see what Edward's going to decide to do next. But, But before that, her and Bella are talking briefly about you know, her visions and how they work kind of. Bella reminds Alice that she had seen Bella becoming a vampire in one of her visions, which Edward told her in the last book. And of course we know all about for Midnight Sun. And Alice says, it was a possibility at the time. And Bella says at the time, like you know, kind of in an annoyed voice, I'm guessing. And then Alice says, honestly, I think it's all gotten beyond ridiculous. I'm debating whether to just change you myself. And then fucking Bella, because she's insane, is like, do it right now. And Alice is like, yeah, we can't do that on an airplane.
0: This is how I know that Bella should not be making this decision at the the age and mindset that she is. Because sister, this is not the time nor the place. Why, like every, I can't even think of a pro. You are literally going to a land of vampires where Alice has already said, they're probably gonna kill me too. Like I'm gonna be with Edward and I'm a vampire. They're gonna kill me. So what would be the point? Also, you know, it's a multi-day process and you're on a fucking international flight. You are over water right now. This is not the time nor the place.
1: This is worse than that time in Twilight when she asked Edward to do it on that park bench outside of prom, and I dragged her for that. This, I don't even have the words.
0: I am dragging her like Mr. Krabs and Spongebob when they thought they killed the health inspector. Like, I'm dragging her up the hill, and then somehow she hits her head on a rock and is knocked completely unconscious.
1: (laughs) I was literally talking about that episode earlier today. Isn't that insane?
0: It's in the zeitgeist.
1: So true. Okay, and also I know that this is not at all important in the grand scheme of this, but can you imagine if somehow this was going to work, which it never would on any planet, but they fucking roll up to Italy to save Edward and Bella is a vampire. Edward would be like, I, yeah, I'm going to throw a car into oncoming traffic. Like, he would
0: still, he would be so mad. I, I, it's true. It would it would not help in any way. And then guess what? Edward gets killed by the Volturi. And now Bella, you're a vampire for no fucking reason.
1: <sighs> what did you think about Alice saying that she was going to change Bella, though? Like, what was your your take on that?
0: When she said it, it kind of made my mouth drop a little bit. Like, I was like, oh, damn, like, Alice is just going to do it. But after I, like, gathered my mandible up, I wasn't surprised like i the more i thought about it i was like alice would totally do it like she she's got no fucks to give she likes bella she every pretty much all the Collins love bella and edward together bella makes edward a better person to them alice has never i feel like she's never had an issue about it from the beginning like i feel like she was pro bella being a vampire literally from the moment she had the vision So the more I thought about it, I was like, I could see it.
1: Why do you think she wants to do it? Just because, like, she likes them together?
0: And I think she likes Bella, too. Like, she considers her, I, I, this might be a reach, but I could see Alice considering her family at this point. Like, she has made such a close connection with them, and she loves her so much that I could see her considering Bella someone that she would want to keep around forever. Okay, all right. Cool.
1: Okay. Alice tells her basically to fuck off with that whole plan, which is hilarious. And then um, she wakes up towards the end of their flight. Bella wakes up towards the end of their flight because the sun is rising and Alice is trying to close the shade. And um, she was watching, Alice was watching Edward change plans and it was pretty rough for a bit. He was considering killing someone in the city and drinking their blood And then Bella says he wouldn't want to disappoint Carlisle. And Alice says probably, because he changed his mind from that. And now, as of right now, his plan is to just walk into the sun. And, of course, this is how, this is, like, such a hand of God moment. Like, I hate when the villain, Voldemort, like, he could have killed Harry literally at any time. But he had to always be so dramatic about it. Edward could literally get killed by the Volturi at any time. Not that I want him to. I'm just saying. Like, he has to wait until noon. He has to. I like Loki and picturing him in the shadows, like, looking at the clock, being like, well, maybe if I waited till one, someone will show up and try and save me. Like, why are you this stupid?
0: That was one of my creative writing professor's biggest things that he had an issue with. One was uh genre literature he hated he was like no you have to write narrative fiction it has to be real but fake and i was like but there's a whole community who likes sci-fi and who likes horror writing like why can't i take what i learn here and apply it to genre and he was like no absolutely not but he was really hot so i was okay with it second of all he hated um there's a term for it like like at dios or something like that, like by God's hand or something um, where it's like the ending should not have happened, but because of some crazy weird thing saving the day, it does. And so when this, when I thought literally the exact same thing, I was like, how convenient that all this time has been bought for you for no good reason there. It just, it was silly, Stephanie. It was silly.
1: The term for that is
0: deus ex
1: machina, which I think is Latin for, like, by God or by machine or something like that.
0: Or, like, God as the machine.
1: Yeah, something like that. It's been a while since I learned that, but...
0: Excellent film, deus de machina. Excellent sci-fi. No, it's not even sci-fi. It's very Uncanny Valley AI thriller movie. Would recommend Jacob was
1: just telling me about Uncanny Valley last night and i never heard of it. Interesting.
0: That shit is fucking wild. Okay, we, this does not have to be in the pod, but I will talk about this until the day I die. I have been, I don't even want to say scared of mannequins. Like I can go into a store. I'm not petrified by mannequins, but I do not like to be close to a mannequin. And I feel the same way about cardboard cutouts. They give me the willy nillies. Nope the e b g b s willy-nilly that's not the same thing um I thought it was well like you do something willy-nilly you don't get the willy-nillies oh I think it's just willies that's it it gives me the willies like if I I remember very distinctly one time freshman year I was in Old Navy and I thought my sa- my sister was standing next to me and I was like talking to her and I turned because like I could see the person there and I turned and it was a child mannequin and it like, I, it, I hated every single second of it. Never have been able to explain it. And then for this fucking class, I watched that movie in class in my, I think it was like American 20th century American literature class. We read, um, I think it's called the body. It's basically, yep. Yeah. And then we watched Deus de Machina and we learned is that what it's called
1: well it's deus ex machina but i thought you were talking about the stephen king story of the body which is stand by me
0: no it's it's a different it's a short story i do not remember who it's by but it's basically about a guy who like he's old and he he finds out about this new technology that lets you like it takes your brain and puts it into someone else's skin. So he like gets transplanted into a young man and is promised like, when you want to return, we'll keep your skin. You'll be able to come back. And he like goes and visits his wife and like, she's really sad and she misses him. And like, he kind of like regrets that he lives up his life a little bit for like a month and then, Misses his old life and then goes and tries to get his skin back and the company is no longer in business, so like, yeah, it's it it's a story like that. But anyways, we learned about Uncanny Valley in this class and it's basically like a bar graph where. And did Jacob tell you about it? Like what it is? Yeah, but
1: explain it for the listeners. They might not oh.
0: know. So basically, as things get more empathetic and human-like we in turn feel closer to them. So like, there's a reason why when you see an ant crawling on the ground, you don't, usually I would say most people don't feel any sort of affinity or compassion towards the ant. But like, if you saw a dog, you would be more inclined to have some feelings about it because dogs can show emotions and like form that bond with you. And the same thing like with humanoid kind of animals too so like chimpanzees and gorillas like they have more things in common with humans looks wise so you feel an even like closer feeling towards these things and it gets like the graph just goes keeps going higher and higher and it reaches a point with like A.I. software that looks like humans and acts like humans, but your brain knows it's not a human and your comfort level drops dramatically, like all the way below zero because your brain can't comprehend like it's it's a human, but it's not a human like I don't understand how it works and it's called the uncanny valley because it's like it's uncanny but you feel really gross about it. And I was like, that's why I hate mannequins. I, that is fully Uncanny Valley. And I felt so validated by it. So listeners, if you experience this emotion, no, you are valid. And it is a valid feeling to have. It's called Uncanny Valley.
1: (laughs) Thank you for that explanation. Um, Really the whole time you were explaining it, because I just heard about it last night. The only thing I could think of is not to bring everything back to SpongeBob again. But I feel like rock bottom is like a case study
0: in, in Kenny Valley. Honestly, I think you I think you need to write a a paper for a scientific journal because the connection you just made there is insane.
1: <laughs> this is literally like what is wrong with me that everything I hear, I'm like, how could this connect to SpongeBob?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the inner mechanisms of your mind are an enigma.
1: They truly are. It's not even conscious. It's not like I was like, how could this connect to SpongeBob? My brain, but my brain was like, well, that's kind
0: of like that time
1: in SpongeBob. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway, how do we even get on that subject?
0: I have no idea. Me
1: neither. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I think I skipped something that I wanted to go over. Yeah. On page 437... I hate to bring it up, but I gotta. So towards the top, Bella is thinking about how they might die in Volterra. And she says, if Alice made good on her promise and if she didn't kill me, then Edward can run after his distractions all he wanted and I could follow. I wouldn't let him be distracted. Maybe when I was beautiful and strong, he wouldn't want distractions. And all I wrote was, sis, dot, 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 no. It's not how it works. Also, you are beautiful and strong, so fuck that whole notion.
0: I completely agree, and I want to add on to that. Homie is doing everything in his power to give himself distractions from you. He has to force himself into doing things that distract him from you. If only she could read his mind and know what he's been going through. I can guarantee these past five months have been him. Maybe I should, maybe I'll go for a run today. I think if I run, maybe, maybe I won't think about her and doing that for like 500 days.
1: (laughs) 500 days is not five months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah, you're right, you're right.
1: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Anyways, so finally they get to Florence, and Alice steals a, a, a. I can't speak. Alice steals a yellow Porsche Turbo, which is a real car. If you wanted to look it up.
0: When I read this, so the this there's a little space in a little time jump, if you will, and literally the very first paragraph after the short little gap. A bright yellow Porsche screamed to a stop a few feet in front of where I paced the word turbo scrawled in silver cursive across its back. Everyone beside me on the crowded airport sidewalk stared in my mind. Literally the first thing I thought was like, isn't the whole point of this trip was for you guys to be like sneaky and get Edward and go. And then right after that, Uh, Bella goes sheesh Alice I complained could you pick a more conspicuous car to steal I'm like okay Bella and I are on the same page for once we we do have we are in agreement on this one
1: yeah my main thought after because this is the first time I've read this book after reading Midnight Sun and I was like after that horrible shit that they had to do to get those two cars in Midnight Sun I'm like I'm praying that Alice didn't leave some lady sedated on an overpass like please god
0: yeah, hopefully it's just someone sedated in an airport parking garage. That's worse. <laughs> I'm I'm saying it sarcastically.
1: Okay. I don't think she really cared about being conspicuous, though. I think she just cared about going fast. Clearly. So we've come to the part where they're driving into the city, and Alice says that it's St. Marcus Day. Do you want to speak about
0: your research? Yes. So growing up Catholic Emily and I both know that there are definitely patron saint holidays they're celebrated differently around the world and I Saint Marcus seems like that could be a saint to me and there's like literally like hundreds if not thousands of saints and what they stand for so I honestly thought that Stephanie looked up maybe like something that was celebrated in Italy and kind of like formulated a character and lore around it and like like we were talking about earlier vampirism does have some kind of tie with christianity so it didn't it wasn't a leap for me to think that this could be real that there was a saint that rid an area of vampires or whatever and it was a thing i mean saint patrick's day like the the lore is like saint patrick drove all the snakes from ireland so like why not vampires you know so I, I type in St. Marcus Day on Google, and, like, the very first thing is real question mark. And I'm like, is it not real? So I looked it up. No, it's not real. Stephanie Myers made it up, which I guess isn't too much of a leap. So I, I did a little research, and what does exist in Italy and what is celebrated is Saint Mark St. Saint Mark's Day, like the Mark, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. It's celebrated on April 25th, not March, what day did they do it? 19th. March 19th. So it is a real holiday that um, St. Mark is the patron saint of Venice. So it is a holiday that's really celebrated a lot in Italy. And so I took, I took some screenshots of some articles that I read. So I'm going to read this first one. This is in, i never heard of this area of Italy, so I'm so sorry if I pronounce it incorrectly. I got this information from novelnovus.twilight.com. Author's name is Sarah. In Tresnarages, a small village in the Sardinian region of Italy holds a traditional Sardinian feast, the most important one, which is a time of excess consumption that helps solidify the social community. Local shepherd families in this predominantly pastoral community offer sheep and oversee cooking them in a gesture of thanks to Providence. Other families offer bread as Thanksgiving or for favors desired. Hundreds of people, mostly from Treshniragashi, but a large number of outsiders as well, eat and drink to satiation together. So it mostly just sounds like a fun gathering of people to celebrate community and maybe religion but there's a feast you know classic holiday so i was like okay you know that's cool so then i google like like how is it celebrated i do a little little more research on how it's celebrated in italy that is in italy but i wanted to see if there was any anything else so classic wikipedia always has my back had some really interesting information that i thought was strikingly pertinent to this book so, the Feast of St. Mark, also known as the Rosebud Festival, is a festival in Venice held on the 5th of, or, I'm sorry, held on the 25th of April, celebrating Venice's patron saint, St. Mark. On this day, men traditionally give a single rosebud to the women they love. According to legend, the tradition originated in the 8th century when a man of low social standing is said to have fallen in love with a noblewoman from Venice. In order to win her father's approval, he became involved in a distant war. He was mortally wounded in battle, but managed to pluck a rose from a nearby rosebush for his loved one. A companion was entrusted with returning the bloodstained rose to his lover. And I, if Stephanie did this research and found it and tied everything together, I commend her really, really great. I don't know if that, if it just so happened to line up this way. But it really makes me think of the cover with the, with the bloodstained tulip. It makes me think of the lore behind tulips. It makes me think of Romeo and Juliet. It, it really, like, goes really well together. And I, it's a fake holiday. She made up St. Marcus Day. But St. Mark Day in Venice, I mean, we're not in Venice. We're in Volterra. But the connections really were pretty crazy for me. I don't know. I don't know if it's shocking you as much as it shocked me.
1: No, I'm pretty shook. I low-key feel like she probably did do that research. Also, Volterra, Volterra is not real. So, and it also starts with V, you know. So maybe,
0: maybe she was really leaning into it. I thought Volterra was real. I I thought she made it up. I Googled, is it real? And maybe the one source I looked at was wrong, but I thought it said it was like a tiny small providence. Let me look it up. While Emily looks it up, also in my Wikipedia research, I did find that April 25th is also celebrated as the anniversary of the liberation of Italy from the Nazi fascist regime in World War II.
1: Nice. Turns out it is real, you were right. So maybe, maybe it's the reverse of what I thought. She like knew that this was, because it says a walled mountaintop town. It's so, like it has walls around it and it's on a mountain. So maybe she like heard about that and she was like, okay, I'm going to name them the Volturi because they're going to live there,
0: you know? Yeah, I could totally see her finding out about this location and being inspired by it. I've had a similar kind of a thing. Um, have you heard of Petra? Mm-hmm. I when I learned about it and saw photos of it, I was like I was like I need to write a whole series based around like something just like this. Like it is just so gorgeous and like a place carved from stone. It was it's just it's insane. So, I could totally see her finding out about this tiny little castle area and being like I can come up with a whole community based around this one location and really I I could I could see it. Yeah, me too.
1: Um, not related, but I found this out last week and it blew my mind. You probably already know because you have an archaeology degree. But the fucking Easter Island heads have bodies. Excuse me?
0: It's true. I'm shook. Uh, One of the theories as to why the community in Easter Island died out is because they decimated their ecosystem by cutting down all the trees in an in an effort to move the heads and then the birds stopped coming to the island because there were no trees and then they didn't have trees and then they starved basically. Yeah. Why were they trying to move the heads? Like they, I, they would get the stone from one area, carve it and then use the, basically like the lumber as like a rolling mechanism to roll the, the heads um to where they would want them because the heads were supposedly, um, I'm only speaking from my one class that I took. So I'm only communicating what I know from this. There could be other theories, but this is what was taught to me. The heads sort of symbolized like past ancestors that like protected and looked down on like crops and families that were still alive. And were almost like, not like good luck, but like good just like you're honoring them, and they're there, and because of their safety and their like their protection, you are going to thrive, so they would move these huge heads from one area to where someone's area was settled,
1: so they're not all in the same they're not all in like a circle, no, I think they're kind of all over the place. oh, maybe I'm confusing it with Stonehenge. But anyways, that's super interesting. I need to, like, do a deep dive late night about the Easter Island heads because they're super interesting to me.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. All kinds of ancient archaeology is just, like, it it really digs up. It's mysterious in a way that, like, fiction can't touch on. Because it literally is something that was real and meant something to someone, but we don't know why
1: yeah yeah and it's i think it's made crazier to me because there will never there will never be anything like that again Mm -hmm. you know i mean barring like i don't know i guess maybe if the entire human race or like most of the human race got wiped out and then somehow respawned, and then they know about like the internet but still i feel like that the odds of that are very small yeah okay So back to the book. That was really great research, though. Thank you for bringing that because super interesting.
0: Yes. Just long story short, Stephanie made up a holiday, but the real holiday is just as interesting. And kind of just as
1: like tied in. Yeah. So Alice and Bella are driving into Volterra, and Alice is basically telling Bella what she has to do. Like, he basically just has to see Bella before he ever sees Alice, so Alice is basically going to drop her off. And then they arrive in the city. Do you have anything from this chapter that we didn't cover?
0: Nothing important.
1: Okay. so obviously we jump right into the action in the next chapter, chapter 20. And they get basically stuck in a traffic jam because there's no parking available in the city. So there's like a traffic guard at the city gates turning people away and like telling them to like, you turn and go park somewhere else. God, I've been here. Every time I go to a social function, this is me. (sighs) But unfortunately, I'm not rich. But Alice is. She fucking drives right up and bribes the guard with an undisclosed amount of money. Bella calls it a a thick roll of money. And she says the outside bill was a thousand dollar bill. I didn't know those existed. Like legit did not know those existed.
0: I also don't know what currency they're using. Is Italy in 2008, was Italy using the euro? I don't know. Does Italy have their own currency? I don't know. I don't know a lot about currency.
1: I just kind of assumed that she was using American dollars because, like, everyone can convert that, right? Because it's, like, a pretty popular currency.
0: It's true, but my thought is that euros are worth more than dollars. And maybe in other forms of currency, bigger bills exist. Like the peso, there's like and um no the peso that's what I'm thinking of. They have larger bills because they just the the exchange rate is just a larger amounts I guess. So like I'm talking out of my ass, but like if a soda here is like four bucks, a soda might be like 140 pesos. So their bills are larger. To make up, I don't, I don't know how to how to phrase this. Maybe it's just a different currency. I don't know if a thousand USDs exist. I've never seen one before. Why sh- would that kind of bill even exist? I feel like it's dangerous to have that much money in one single bill. I agree, but then why does she call it a dollar? Thousand dollar bill. Maybe Stephanie doesn't know how currency works. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that past her. <laughs>
1: Uh, the poor guard is like, is this a joke? And Alice says, only if you think it's funny. I'd probably be scared if I was him. I'd probably be like, I just helped a murderer or something. You know, like, I'd be scared. Mm-hmm. I'd probably call my dad, honestly, and ask him what I should do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they get let into the city because of their insane amount of money. And she's like basically scraping the building. She's driving through fucking alleys and people are jumping out of the way. It has a very Mario Mario Kart feel to it. That's funny.
0: It has a very um, SpongeBob and Patrick on the Flying Dutchman's ship. And (laughs) SpongeBob going, you're good. You're good. You're good. While the ship is scraping along rocks and parts of the ship are just flying over the rocks so true. (laughs) That's funny.
1: So Alice basically gets her to gets Bella to the edge of the town square and then Edward is across by the clock tower. I'm like, he can drive her to the other side of it. No, no, he couldn't apparently. So Bella gets out and starts pushing through the crowd and hold on before we move to that on page 443. (laughs) I just had to make a quick point. Um, What did she say? Oh, yeah. The second sentence. As we wound higher, the cars became too close together for Alice to weave insanely between them anymore. And my note on this was like, this is me just in regular traffic, like Denver traffic. I'm like, am I a moped? No, I'm a car, but I'm going to act like I'm a moped.
0: (laughs) Real bitches drive fast.
1: (laughs) Yep. Drive fast and leave a sexy corpse.
0: (laughs) I have that on a cross stitch hanging above my bed right now. Oh, my God, I want that. I'm going to steal it next there.
1: How dare you? <laughs> okay, anyways, back to what we were just talking about. I was going to say, I'd be so, if I'm in this crowd, I'm throwing hands. I get so fucking mad in crowds when people shove me. I, like, legit will yell at them like I have before. So if Bella shoved me, oh, my God, I would shove her back so hard.
0: And then in, 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 in Italian, I would say, this is a Christian holiday, ma'am. Would God want you to be doing this? No, he wouldn't. Love thy neighbor as thyself, bitch.
1: Ugh, I would be so annoyed. But she's literally just pushing people out of her way, which I get it and everything, but like, damn. Um, She's really upset because she thinks she's not going to make it because she's slow and human. She says... I wasn't halfway across. I wasn't going to make it. I was stupid and slow and human, and we were all going to die because of it. I'm like, you did your best. Like, you're dealing with the cards you've been dealt. You made it. True, true. Um. Okay, so then she gets to a break in the crowd, and she realizes that it's a fountain. So this bitch just runs through the fountain. Once again, if I see this, like, I don't think I'm judging. Well, I'm obviously judging her, but I'm like, okay. I kind of respect her for that, like, if I saw that happening.
0: <laughs> I don't. I do not respect her.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, she's got somewhere to be. I do respect that hustle because that's me as well. I would never run through a fountain if I could avoid it, but...
0: I I just, I don't know how important this fountain is for, like, an importance to their culture and society, but, like, what if it's, like, a really important fountain and some some tourist just jumps in and I mean granted she's not a tourist she's there on a mission like she just jumps in like she doesn't even think about like what it is you know
1: yeah I'm gonna keep it real I didn't think of that that's a really good point
0: (laughs) I'm gonna I'm gonna put it out there that I don't think it's an important fountain I think Bella's just wading through just for just for fun you know um but what if you know
1: yeah true
0: So she
1: gets to the other edge of the square and she sees this family where it's like two little girls and then the parents. And the little girl is like pointing into the shadows behind her and like trying to get her mom to look, but her mom's distracted. Um, And it's clearly Edward. And so finally Bella gets there. Well, she sees him before she gets there, but um, right, of course, right. As he takes a large stride into the sun. She slams into him so hard that the force would have hurled me to the ground if his arms hadn't caught me and held me up. And as soon as this happens, he says, amazing, Carlisle was right. What do you think he meant
0: by that? I feel like Carlisle probably, like, this is what I'm picturing. I feel like maybe Edward called or was in contact with Carlisle in some way and said something to the extent of, like, Bella's dead. I, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I have to go. I'm saying goodbye. And Carlisle was like, she's not dead. Like, she's, she's totally okay. Like, you know, she's alive. You don't know, you know, Alice's visions could be wrong. You don't know that like for certain, you know, like you need to get better information before you act hastily. Like, I think he was, I think maybe Carlisle tried to reassure him to not, not believe everything Alice predicts and sees until you know it for certain. I I don't really know what else it could be, you know, like what else, what else could he try? What else could he be implying at this point?
1: Okay. Yeah. I feel you. I have two super quick comments that are basically just clapbacks at Bella's comments. Um, First on page 451, she said it's in the middle. I'd never seen anything more beautiful than Edward. Even as I ran, gasping and screaming, I could appreciate that. And the last seven months meant nothing. And his words in the forest meant nothing. And it did not matter if he did not want me. I would never want anything but him, no matter how long I lived. I just wrote, that's toxic, babe.
0: That's toxic. And also, Jacob who? Never, Never heard of him. Never met him. Didn't spend the last several weeks, if not months, being best friends with him, loving him, and creating a intricate emotional relationship with him. The past seven months meant nothing. They were nothing. They did not exist. They weren't real.
1: So fucked up.
0: Also, then she
1: goes on to say when she's with Edward. I mean, this is on the back cover, but... It's the whole thing about how she feels like she never had a hole in her heart in the first place. And I literally just wrote gag.
0: Just so the audience knows, I'm just close. I'm my eyes are closed and I'm shaking my head.
1: (laughs) It's all she has left. So Edward clearly thinks he's dead and that um, he thinks for a second he's in hell because he can smell Bella's blood. And Bella's like, we're not dead. Get away. And Edward's like, blah, 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 don't care. Y'all hear something? (laughs) And then um, the two men from the Volturi show up, and that's when Edward realizes, like, oh, yeah, it turns out I'm not dead. That is Mark, no, not Marcus, Felix, who's the other one? Dimitri. Um, And honestly, this is just, like, a big pissing contest. Like, that's really all this amounts to they are kind of going back and forth with Edward being like, I didn't do anything wrong. Um, I'm going to leave. And the two being like, no, let's go talk about it. And then Edward being like, fine, but Bella's not coming. And then Dimitri and Felix are like, no, Bella is coming. Then Alice shows up and they're all still arguing. Then um, out of nowhere on page 456, this new character arrives. And, like, immediately everyone is just realizing that, like, okay, Bella and Edward and Alice are going to go talk with the Bolturi. And her name is Jane. And she's like, her description is really interesting, childish voice, like, slim and androgynous. She kind of looks like a child a little bit, like, super small, um, all that good shit. What did you like think about Jane? What do you think her deal is that everyone's just like, oh, eh, well, now we got to listen.
0: Uh, I think Jane is one of the wives. I think, or at least she's a high up in the the royalty of it because there's clearly two females that we don't know about that are high up, and the way that everyone seems to acknowledge her and not have any back talk or anything to say, clearly she holds. A place of power so if she's not a wife then or a wife then she has to be someone extremely important I don't know who else she could be but one of the wives okay cool
1: so they start walking down into the sewers basically because they live underground um as they're walking Alice briefly says you know Bella did jump off a cliff but She wasn't trying to kill herself, and Edward is clearly pissed, which you don't have the right. And then they go to this fucking slide that's basically like a sewage tunnel. And I understand that there's vampires here telling her to do this, but never in a million years. Hell no. I would literally have a heart
0: attack if I tried to do it. I, like, thank God Alice was there to catch her fall, or be there, you know, to, to hold her at the end of it. Because if it was just me going down into the dark alone... I would be petrified. Me too. Just think about the spiders. Think about you physically can't see anything. That is terrifying to me. Yeah, I had this game. I don't know
1: if I've mentioned it on this podcast before, but I had this game when I was little. It was called Sarge's Heroes. It was on the Nintendo 64. And it was like a weird concept, but basically you were like a toy army man, but you were alive and so i'm pretty sure i have talked about it on this podcast before but you basically had to run yeah Paige is nodding okay but did i tell you about the level with the spiders
0: is there a vacuum
1: involved no it's like on these pipes it's like clearly in the walls or something in this human's house that they're in but it i never got past that level and it was terrifying because there was just like all these dark spots. And then if you would fall off a pipe, you would just fall into complete darkness, but you could hear the fucking spiders coming to eat you. And I still, to this day, am haunted by it.
0: Huh, a game made for children. (laughs) Literally,
1: like who developed that game?
0: (laughs) Back long ago, when we were talking about cool math games, it reminded me of this Scooby-Doo game that I played. I wanna say on like a cool math game website, and it was after some research, I found out like Scooby-Doo and escape from the Coolzonium, which is like the Coolsville, Coolsville Museum. And there were three levels of you trying to escape this museum. It was just like a click and point game kind of a thing where you find objects and it helps you escape. But on the second level, it was Egyptian themed. And in the first room is a sarcophagus that's locked And then there's two rooms, the left and right, that have puzzles in them that you go back and forth and solve the puzzles. But in one of the rooms, you can pick up a crowbar and your child brain is like, oh, crowbar, I can open the sarcophagus. If you do that, it produces one of the most terrifying jump scares I have ever seen in my entire life. Everyone who is listening to this Just Google Scooby-Doo Escape from the Coolzonium Jump Scare. It is a jump scare. Know that. It's like 10 seconds long. You will see the jump scare. Motherfuckers made this game for literally elementary school kids and put the scariest. It's like a monkey demon... Face with yellow eyes and the mouth is screaming and there's like this haunting like flute music and then it goes (gasps) and then you have to start over so you get the shit scared out of you and you lose the game.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with people? Like imagine the game developers being like yeah this is chill this will work. I
0: like I the first time it happened to me, I was doing it at school in elementary school in the computer lab. Like we had like free day where we could play on one of those websites with all the games. And my it was right when the live action Scooby Doo came out, so me and my classmates were playing it. And I almost shit my pants in elementary school. It was terrifying, so scary. That's so messed up. I'm for sure gonna
1: Google that when we're done. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I I was gonna send you the link. If okay,
1: <laughs> please do. Uh, back to the the book that we're trying to read here. <laughs> okay, so as they're walking through the tunnel, I the fucking audacity of this shit. Edward is like touching her lips and shit. I just don't, I don't even want to talk about what what.
0: <laughs> It's weird and also it didn't make sense to me because one of his arms is around her waist leading her and the other hand is touching her lips and her ch- her jawline and her face. So he has both of his hands on her right now, but they're also walking at the same time. Like it just doesn't seem natural to me.
1: Yeah, do you remember when like the, the scene kids when we were a kid, do you know what I'm talking about? They would like kind of walk like that where they would like-
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: Okay, good, I'm glad, because I had no idea how to explain it. <laughs> okay, so Bella, like, obviously wants to know what's going to happen to them, but she knows she can't talk, so she just keeps her damn mouth shut. And she's really cold, because she just ran through a fucking fountain, and now they're underground. <laughs> and they get to the end of the road, and it kind of, it's a little cliffhangery, I guess. Um, she says, okay, I'm just going to read this last little section. At the end of the tunnel was a grate. The iron bars were rusting, but as thick as my arm. A small door made of thinner interlaced bars was standing open. Edward ducked through and hurried on to a larger, brighter stone room. The grill slammed shut with a clang, followed by the snap of a lock. I was too afraid to look behind me. On the other side of the long room was a low, heavy wooden door. It was very thick, as I could tell, because it too stood open. We stepped through the door and I glanced around me in surprise, relaxing automatically. Beside me, Edward tensed, his jaw clenched tight. So, anything from that chapter? That was like a quicker, snappier one.
0: I guess the only thing that, it's not huge, but I was kind of surprised that there's three vampires in this story that, or in this chapter that are not vegetarians and they all leave Bella alone. And also Felix and Dimitri, I'm assuming, are just chilling at the at the festival. You know, it, it, it seems like they're just kind of like looming around, maybe in the shadows. But it seems as though these vampires are able to restrain themselves around people. And I feel like we haven't really seen that civility i guess in vampires i mean the only other vampires we've really seen have been james victoria and laurent and Tonya, but she, we haven't seen her with a human you know and they were really trying to hide bella in that situation and as soon as they figured out that she was not a vampire it was like game time so i'm impressed that they they all seem to be able to exist in the human world and i'm curious i'm what i'm thinking is going to happen in the next chapter is bella is going to be in this like room with probably like a lot of vampires like more than she's ever seen and what the reaction is going to be because it seems like they can control themselves but apparently bella smells really good so we'll see what happens
1: yeah good segue you you teed that one up for me so in two weeks the episode in two weeks we're reading chapters 21 and 22. The first one is called Verdict. The second one is called Flight.
0: So Verdict, I feel like is definitely gonna be them, the Volturi saying, well, you've done this thing and here's what we're gonna do about it. You're kind of in our mercy right now. So we can, we kind of can make the calls at this point and you're outnumbered. So it's it's our call. Flight, I could see either going two ways. Flight could just be the return home. If if things go well with Verdict, they just fly home and maybe Edward tells Bella about the past several months, what he's been up to, and they kind of get together. Or flight, I could see it being almost like race, like like flight, I feel like, can have an urgent definition behind it. What's it called where... um you fight or you um fight, fight or flight. fight or flight and that that's what I imagine like flight could be like escaping from a predator in a way um so maybe they say no we're killing you and they have to get out and it's like a battle out you know I could see it going either way depending on how verdict goes dictates how flight is going to go for me
1: okay are you leaning towards one or the other
0: I feel like it's going to be positive. I think not necessarily positive. I think it's going to be they show mercy, but you see maybe how vicious they could be. Like, I feel like they would die if if they said, no, we're going to kill you. You guys can't leave. I think that they would lose that fight where they are. It doesn't seem like an even match. So I feel like I feel like whoever's in charge is going to be like you really fucked up and you better watch out. Also Bella, you smell really delicious. And I'm making a mental note of that. And I mean, we still have two books to go. So like the Voltairi seem important to me. So I feel like this is going to be something like, I feel like I, what I think is going to happen is they're going to say you're free to go, but we're watching you. And then for the next two books, they're watching.
1: (laughs) Okay. I love it. I think that's about it. Um, yep. Yeah, as I said, we'll be off next week. We'll be back on December. What would that be? The 7th? Yep. The 7th. No, the 6th. I don't know. One of those days. Whichever day is a Tuesday.
0: It's on a Tuesday.
1: Um, it's your turn to do the socials.
0: Okay. Um, as always, you know I'm the meme queen here. Uh, I love the memes. I love getting them from Emily. I love seeing them. I love reading them while I'm at work. It makes me not want to scream. So please send my anti-scream memes. Send them at Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at TaftPod. You can also tag us and stuff on Instagram and Tumblr at tuesdaysr for twilight if you want to send us a fun email with some stories, maybe some facts, I don't know. what. If you guys want to talk some archaeology, I'd love to get your get your looks or what your interests are. I'd love to hear that. But you can email us at Twilight at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to our Patreon, if you feel so inclined, you can do that at patreon.com slash TuesdaysAreForTwilight. And as always, please Look into the Quilutes efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. Read about it. Talk about it. And if you can, donate your money. That would be an amazing gift for them this holiday season. And you can find all of that out. Look it up. Find out more at www.mthg.org.
1: Can you... Um, sorry. That was great. Thank you so much. Can you believe we've been doing a podcast for like... Over a
0: year. I am flabbergasted. Me
1: too, man. We just kind of were dicking around, and now here we are.
0: <laughs> now I'm invested.
1: <laughs> now I might give a shit. I'm just kidding. I have the whole time. Calm down. <laughs> um, What do you got for our closer this week?
0: It's never too late to say yes. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to commit yourself to new things. Don't be afraid to make that leap. I know, okay, this is your sign. If you've been looking for a sign to try something new, girl, I'm telling you, take that first step. Do it. Or boy. Or non-binary. Any person. If you are looking for that call, that beacon to do the thing, I'm telling you right now, you do the thing. Page is your beacon. I am the foghorn, and I'm going, womp, 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 do it. And I am the (laughs)
1: leghorn.
0: See y'all in two weeks. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, danimal6 underscore on Instagram.